if I were God. If I were God. You ever said that? I bet you've thought it. I have. And you fill in the blank. If I were God, I, I tell you what I would do. And you fill in the blank. If I were God, I tell you, tell you what I, I would not let happen ever again. And you fill in the blank. If I were God. I mean, imagine that you went to lunch with Jesus one day. Just kind of cool, huh? He would pay. Um, and he would probably order fish. He'd order chicken. Yeah, how, would you, how would you bless the... How would you do that? Here, to lunch with Jesus. Here. Thank you. <laughs> right? Anyway, um, just my mind... The way that happens. But maybe, maybe the lunch begins with you saying something to the effect of, hey, um, can I be honest with you? And he just smiles. Right? Because when you're at lunch with Jesus, you, you can't be anything other than honest. Because he reads your mind. He knows your heart. And you begin to share with him all of the reasons why you are disappointed in him. Or disappointed in what he has done, or disappointed in what he hasn't done. The prayers that haven't been answered, or they were answered in the opposite direction for which you intended. And you basically were sharing with him all of the frustrations how you feel like you've been let down. First of all, do you think that would surprise him at all? Do you think that would shake him? Do you think it would rattle him? Do you think it would go, hey, I had no idea. I'm so sorry. No. No. And maybe you were gutsy enough to say it, to look him in the eye and go, you know, if I were you, if I were God, and then there would be this awkward pause because you would know then what you're implying is that somehow he had messed up. You see, in the ancient Old Testament scriptures, King David proclaims this in the Psalms, that as for God, his way is perfect. God is perfect. God cannot do anything wrong. He, he cannot make a mistake. There are no oopses. There are no, ah, oh, I should have done that better, differently. No, God is perfect. Hmm. One of our staff members in Oak Ridge, Amy Laughlin, was talking about this not too long ago, and, and, and this is what she said, and I, and I, I think she's right on. She said, she said, if we believe this, if we believe that God is perfect, and hypothetically, we were God, okay? Just hypothetically, we were God, and we believe that God is perfect, then if we were God, we would be perfect too, and we would do exactly as God has done in our own lives. 
See, I, I want to make a statement that's, that's going to feel wrong. It's, it's going to seem raw, okay? And, and, and this statement is anchored both in our humanity and God's divine character and nature. And I'll explain it. Here's what you need to know. That God will let you down. God absolutely will let you down. But he never fails because he cannot fail. He is perfect. He is flawless. But he absolutely will let you down. There's a big distinction there. See, God is perfect. He's flawless. He can't do anything wrong. He can't think anything wrong. But he doesn't do always what we think, what we want, what we hope, what we ask, or even what we pray. So as a result, we're let down. As a result, we're disappointed. As a result, we're discouraged. As a result, God lets us down. But not because he has done anything wrong. It's because of our unrealistic, our misguided expectations that we place on God. Unrealistic, misguided expectations that we place on God. It doesn't take much for our expectations to get out of whack with God. I mean, because it goes like this. You know, you and I are like, okay, God, you're bigger and you're perfect. You know everything and you can do everything, so why don't you, and then we fill in the blank. Or why didn't you, and then we fill in the blank. Or why can't you, or why are you not... And so when someone comes up to me and they say, I'm so disappointed in God. God has let me down. I don't understand why he let my granny die. I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. God, don't let granny die. Don't let granny die. Don't let granny die. And granny died. I don't get it. I'm so angry with God. God has let me down. He didn't answer my prayer. Could it be? It's not God that was off on that. It was the unrealistic expectation that an elderly woman of 94 years who has fought and fought and fought and fought with bad health, it was her time to leave this world. Could it be that the expectation was off? You need to consider it. Could it be that the, the expectation for God to not let something that needed to happen, happen. Yeah. See, a lot of times our expectations are misguided. They're unrealistic. I mean, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you on a journey here, okay? I'm going to take you, and, and you're going to wonder how we're going to get back around to, you know, what do we do when we feel like God has let us down? We'll get back to that, okay? But it kind of kind of lay a foundation for us, because we need to talk about this expectation thing a little bit. What, what realistically should we expect of God? I mean, if you were to ask Christians and non-Christians this question, I think you would get very similar answers. Realistically, what should our expectations be of a perfect, holy God who can do no wrong? What should our expectations of him be in our own personal lives? I think the list would look like this. That God would help us be happy, right? Would it be that God help us be healthy, successful? 
secure? How about safe? You see, whether we say it or not, these are our expectations of God, both Christians and non-Christians alike, and you know it if you listen to yourself pray. And if you listen to the point of your own frustrations, you'll discover it. Oh, I'm upset because I'm not happy. And God's supposed, I'm supposed to be happy. I'm a God-fearing man. I'm a God-fearing woman. I go to church and I give and I serve and I'm, God's not making things work out for me the way I want it. And I'm sick and I'm supposed to be healthy. God doesn't want God want me to be healthy and successful. God doesn't, God, doesn't God want me to be successful and save God? Don't let anything, you know, God's not going to let anything bad happen. Really? Let me ask you just a second. Let's wrestle with this just a moment, okay? This may get a little uncomfortable, but since we're already so chummy. What if your happiness is tied to someone else's unhappiness? What is God to do then? If if our realistic expectation of God, if God's purpose was to make everybody who loves him happy, what's he to do when in order for your team to win, their team has to lose? And there's players on both sides. <laughs> and there's mamas on both sides of the field. God, let my baby win. God, let my baby win. Oh, God, let my baby win. What's God to do when your happiness? Listen, so is it God? To, so is the purpose for God? To, you're, you've probably never thought about this. Is the purpose is just for God to make you happy? Just you? Just you, right? Just you, right? It's just especially you, mostly you. But, but what if your happiness is tied to someone else's unhappiness? Oh, pastor, please, we got, we got a big wedding this coming weekend, and oh, you pray for good weather. It's an outdoor wedding, which... <sighs> pray for good weather, pray for good weather. And I didn't really know how to respond to that. Hmm. Pray for no rain. That's what you're asking. What about the farmer who's praying, God, my crops are drying up. I need to feed my family. What's God to do? Is it about your happiness or his? Hmm, maybe God's not in the happiness business after all. Yeah, I know, that's sticky. Let's move on. But healthy, healthy, healthy. God, you know, what if your healthiness is tied to someone else's unhealthiness in order for you to get the transplant, someone else has to die. In order for your family to be like, God has answered our prayer. Somewhere there's a family going, God, you didn't answer our prayer. See, this is not the stuff we like to wrestle with, is it? But this is the stuff that's real. Successful. In order for you to get the job, right? God wants you to be successful, right? Or just you. Just you. You got the job, but they didn't. So you're employed and they're unemployed? But see, they were praying to the same God for the same job that you were praying for. Now what? What? Maybe God's not in the successful business after all. Safe and secure. Safe and secure. God, don't let anything bad happen. God, keep us safe. God, keep us safe. Now, I'm not saying that's a bad prayer. I'm just saying. What about those whom feel, who, who feel that God has put on them 
The calling to put their lives in unsafe situations so that you can be safe. What about the soldier? What about the martyr? What about the martyrs who willingly gave up their safety and security and gave up their lives for what they believe? I think our version of American Christianity, God keep me safe, God keep me safe, God keep me safe, would be laughable to them, embarrassing to them. They took no thought of their own safety and security. They laid their lives down for what they believed and because of their love for God. And yet, as American Christians, we get all bent out of shape when things don't go exactly the way we want it. These are expectations we place on God. Listen very carefully, very carefully. Nowhere in the scriptures does God promise that these things will always happen for you on this earth. Nowhere. Nowhere in the scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament, you can't make it say that if you're honest. Did God guarantee on this side of heaven that you would always be happy, always be healthy, always be successful, and always be safe and secure and nothing bad would happen to you? So these are unrealistic expectations to place on God. No wonder we're disappointed in God. No wonder we feel like God has let us down because we've been thinking that this is God's job. If this is God's job, he hasn't done a very good job of it. This is not the way it is. Let me tell you what you can expect of God. You can expect God to do exactly what he said he'd do because God is perfect. You can expect God to do exactly what he said he would do for you. Listen very carefully. Let me say it again, and I'm going to qualify it. You can expect God to do exactly what he said he would do for you and me in our context of life. Not what he promised he would do for a specific group of people in ancient Israel in the Old Testament. Not for a specific person in a specific situation in a specific context in ancient Israel in the Old Testament. You can expect God to do exactly what he promised to do for people in my context and your context. And let me tell you what he promised to do over and over and over and over and over again. And this is the realistic expectation you can have of God that he will be with you, with you, with you. Whether or not you're happy, whether or not you're healthy, whether or not you're successful, whether or not you're safe and secure, he will be with you, with you, no matter what. You can look all throughout the New Testament Time and time again, he promises to be with us. And so many of the other promises that he gives us are actually the experience of, and the natural byproduct of God's presence with us in our lives. He promised to be with us. Whether we feel like it or not, whether it looks like it or not, whether we believe it or not, always to be with us. Now, does that mean that nothing bad's ever gonna happen to us? Absolutely not. Does that mean that everything's always going to work out your way? Absolutely not. And some of you are thinking, well, that's it? That's what we can expect of God, that he would be with us? Man, that's not very exciting. That's not going to draw a big crowd. That's not going to sell a lot of books. Yeah, you're right. That's why we make up all the other stuff. See, as Grandpa says, that dog don't hunt. Right? And we know that. Deep down, we know it. 
It's time we admit it. We can expect God to be with us, and his presence with us is so much better than you can possibly imagine. It's better than you think, and it's exactly what you need. Now, real quick, real quick, because I, I know we got thinking people here, and I'm so glad you think. And I, and I know, you, you know, some, some of you, specifically some of you followers of Jesus, Christians, you're going, yeah, but what about, what about what Paul said in Romans chapter 8, 28, that all things work together for good, pastor, all things work together for good. What about that? What about that? Yes, that's so true. That is so true. That is absolutely true. God works all things together for good for his followers. Yeah, he does. But let me ask you a question. Is it always your definition of good? Whose definition of good? You're, you're good? You assume so, right? You assume it always works out for good when you think it's good and you feel like it's good. Because if it's good for you, it's good. But if it's not good for you, then it's not so good. It's kind of bad. But what if it's good for somebody else? What if what's good doesn't feel good? I don't know about you, but I look back on my life and some of the things that I go, you know, it was good that that happened. In the moment, it wasn't so good. It didn't feel good, didn't look good, didn't smell good. It's just not good. And I look back and I say, that was good for me. In the moment, it wasn't good for me. I look now and I go, oh, yeah, but see, wow, whose definition of good? And when? God didn't say when all things were going to work together for good. God didn't say that by next Thursday, you'll see that it's good. Now, it may happen by next Thursday, but it may be a month of Thursdays. It may be 10 years of Thursdays before what God is working on comes back around and you can say that's good. So it's true, but don't put an unrealistic expectation on God. He's with you, even when it doesn't look good, feel good, smell good, right? And even when what is good takes a long time to come back around, he's with you. And some of you are thinking, well, what about the abundant life? What, what about Jesus said, I've come that they may have life abundantly, life to the full. Yes, that is so true. But you know, we have our own American definition as Christians of what the abundant life is. And we think it's like physical blessings, physical possessions and stuff, Right? And that I got the good job and I got the house and I got the car and we got the kids and we got the vacations and we got the retirement and we got all these blessings and we got all this. We're living a good life. Now, nah, things aren't perfect. We got problems like everybody else, but you're pretty comfortable. You're pretty comfortable. And you think that's the abundant life. Think again. Because, see, as soon as that's taken away, as soon as something like that, you're not successful, healthy, happy safe, secure, you're going to go, God, I'm so disappointed in you. I'm so disappointed. See, God never promised those things. That's not what the abundant life is. Let me ask you to consider something. Jesus said, and Luke recorded this in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, Jesus said that life is not defined by the abundance of physical possessions. So it's not about physical stuff. That's not what life is. I come to give you life to the full, abundant life. It's not about physical stuff. Now, there's nothing wrong with physical stuff, but that's not what life is about. And many times in the New Testament, Jesus described himself as life. I am the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6. John chapter 10, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus called himself the bread of life. Could it be 
that the abundant life is not stuff, but it's him. Yes. The abundant life is not physical blessings that you can point to and say, I got the job, I got the girl, I got the house, I got the car, I got all this stuff. But it's his presence in your life. He's with you, with you, with you. So well, what about the blessings, though? What about, well, there's nothing wrong with physical blessings, but the greatest blessing is himself. I, I recently was in Africa where I met many followers of Jesus who had none of the things in their life that you and I point to when we say God's good. God's good, God's good, God's good, Pastor, God's good, God's good, God's good, God's good. God's good. Yes, he is. But we say that so often, it's just kind of like bland, Right? God's good, I'm telling you, it's God's good. And it's always, we're, we're describing something positive, right? I'm looking at a group of people, they don't, have, they don't have any of the things you and I point to, and yet they still say God is good. How? They don't have abundance, but they're full. They don't have abundance, yet they are full. How is that possible? Because they know that God is with them. They have his presence. All right, real quick, and then we're gonna come back full circle. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you're thinking, well, dude, Thanks for being honest, okay. I'm not even sure if I want to trust and follow Jesus now. If you're telling me that I don't get happy and healthy and successful and safe and secure and I don't get all those automatic perks plus a money-back guarantee and shipping handling and all that jazz, then, then, dude, thanks for shooting straight, okay, because I don't know if I want to trust and follow Jesus. Why should I want to trust and follow Jesus if he's not going to fix my life the way I want it? Here's why because you have absolutely no idea what his presence will do in your life. You don't know what you don't know. And until you begin trusting him and following him, you don't know the benefit of him being with you, regardless of whether you're happy or not, regardless of whether you're healthy or not, regardless of success or failure, regardless of safety and security, the holy God of heaven and earth is with you you. That's why you trust and follow it. Mm. All right, let me bring it back around. God lets me down when God lets me down. Realistic expectations. He's with you. He's with you. He's with you. That's it. But that's all you need. He's with you. That's it. But that's all that's necessary. He's with you. Don't discount it. I'm gonna share with you something that really helps me when I'm dealing with my disappointment with God. When I'm dealing with my feelings of, you, you really let me down here. Okay, this is not what I signed up for. This is not what I thought. This is not what I asked. This is the opposite of what I asked, God. If I were you, kind of thoughts, right? This helps me, and I think it'll help you. Understand this. It helps me to understand that there's a gap between me and God. There's a gap between me and God. Now, I don't mean sin, and I don't mean, you know, God is perfect and I'm not. Okay, no, 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 no. I mean, specifically, there's a gap between what I know, see, and understand, and what God can see, know, and understand. Now, this is not rocket science, 
Most anyone would say, yeah, that makes sense. Even if you're not a follower of God, you would say, yeah, if, if, I, if I believed in God, that would make sense too, right? There is a gap between what I see, know, and understand, and God sees, knows, and understands. Most of us are okay with that until we're living in the gap. I don't have a problem with that on the test, but when I'm having to live it out, when you're in the gap, not so much. And understanding this helps me keep this in perspective, that when I'm in the gap between what I see and God sees, because he obviously sees more than I do, and what I know and God knows, and he knows more, and what I understand and God understands, I know that he's with me in this gap, and there's something that I have to do. Look at this. This is the way Paul describes it. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. This is my favorite passage in all the scriptures, by the way. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Unsearchable beyond tracing out. Meaning you can try all you want. Good luck. It's just interesting when you hear people say, well, I know what God is doing. <laughs> just smile and nod. Just smile and nod. Oh, I got to figure it out. I see what God is doing. I know what God is doing. Oh, you don't know. You don't know. You don't see. I don't know. I don't see. I don't understand. It's unsearchable. They're beyond tracing out. Now, for some of you, like me, you know, like to control things, this is very frustrating. Very frustrating. But it doesn't change it. It's just, it's frustrating. Look at this next. Two rhetorical questions. Who's known the mind of the Lord? Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who can honestly say, I know what God's thinking. I can't. You can't. And look at this. <laughs> Who has been his counselor? Who can pull God over to the side? Who can pull Jesus over to the side and go, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Let me help you with this. Let me tell you what you should have done. No one. These are rhetorical questions. The answer is no. No one. There's a gap between what you see, you know, and understand, and God sees, knows, and understands. Let me take you back to ancient Old Testament Israel, to the prophet Isaiah, where he proclaims that God says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. Nothing. Nothing. Clear enough? Nothing. And my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as high as the heavens, the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You know what he's describing? The gap, the gap. There's a gap between you and God. And listen very carefully. What you feel when you're in that gap is real. What you feel and what some of you are feeling right now is disappointment. That's okay, you're human. There's a gap. You're living in the gap. You're disappointed. What you feel is hurt. What you feel is frustration. What you feel is anger even. Or maybe you're just confused. I'm so confused, I don't see. I don't know. I don't understand. I can't figure out what's going on. What God is doing, you're right. There's a gap. And here's the deal. No amount of praying makes that gap go away. Because you're never going to be more than human, and he's never going to be less than God. 
There's always gonna be a gap. No amount of faith will make that go away because he's never gonna be less than God and you're never gonna be more than human. No amount of trying, no amount of time. Well, I'll figure it out eventually. I'll figure it out. Well, there's some things you will never figure out because there's a gap. And what you feel in the gap is real. But what's most important, and this is what helps me, and I think it'll help you if you let it, what we feel in the gap is one thing, but what we fill in the gap is trust. When you're in the gap between what you see and God sees, and you know and God knows, and you understand and God understands, please choose to fill the gap with trust, not blame. God, this is your fault. I can't believe. Now, that's, you're going to have some of those feelings, okay? But when you have those feelings, come back to trust. Come back to trust. Get it out of your system. God's not going to go, oh, my gosh, she's upset with me. You know, oh, no, he's upset. He's frustrated. Come back to fill the gap with trust. Not bitterness. Not running away. And don't we often see people do that? And we've often done it ourselves. When we can't figure it out and where God has let us down, maybe it's because of our unrealistic, misguided expectations for whatever reason. And yet we're upset at God. And so that's it. I'm not going to church anymore. That's it. I'm done. I'm not serving anymore. That's it. That bill was late, so I'm not giving anymore. That's it. I'm not as happy as I want, successful as I want, safe and secure as I want. I'm not as healthy as I want, so I'm checking out. When you find yourself in that place, you've got a choice to make. And I pray that you fill the gap with trust instead. Not giving up. Not even self-doubt. We do this all the time. Well, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? Where did I go wrong? Because if I'd have done it right, it would have gone right. Oh, man. Time and time and time again, regardless of what you are doing, right or wrong, it does not guarantee the outcome that you and I like to control. So you got to fill the gap with trust. See, this is a process. It's not an easy one, two, three step, quick kind of thing. You don't just go there. You have to grow there, all right? You, you just don't go there with trust. You have to grow in trust, okay? It's, it's one of these things, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give this a shot, and you're gonna screw it up royally. You're gonna be so upset at God. And then you have to come back and say, okay, okay, wait a second, wait a second. That was unrealistic of me to expect that God would always do this because that's not what he promised. He promised to be with me, and he is with me. Okay, so I'm gonna fill the gap with trust. God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't understand what you're doing. I don't get it. I don't see it, I don't feel it, but I'm gonna to choose to trust you anyway. You see what makes this so hard for me and you? It's this demand that we have to understand. That's normal. God created us that way, to understand things, to be inquisitive, to ask questions. We, but often we have a demand to understand. We wanna know what and when and where and who and how and why. But my challenge to you is to fill the gap with trust. And when you do that, your what will become a whatever. Whatever, God, I trust you. 
your when. I want to know when will become whenever, God. I don't like it. I don't want to wait anymore. I trust you. You're where, where God, where's the job? Where, where's the person? God, where's the answer will become a God, wherever, wherever you lead. The who, God, I want to know who, who am I going to marry? Who am I going to hire? Who's going to fix this problem? Who is going to become a, when you fill it with trust, it becomes, okay, God, whoever. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, but God, I'm open. And how? Your how, I want to know how. I want to know how, you know, you're in control. becomes however, God, however, however. Let me give you a prayer to pray that I think will help. Help take this to the center of your heart. It's this prayer right here. There's nothing magical about it, but to me it's personal. To learn to pray regularly. God, I, I know you're with me. That's what you promised to do. That's what I can expect you to do. You are with me, so I trust you. We don't trust him because everything always works out the way we want. We don't trust him because nothing bad ever happens. We trust him because he's with us and he's trustworthy. So God, I, I know you're with me. I trust you. I don't see, I don't know, and I don't understand what's going on with my health. But I know you're with me, no matter what the test results show. No matter what. And I'm going to trust you. God, I don't see, I don't know, I don't understand what's going on in my marriage. With this relationship with my child, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't like it. And I'm barely hanging on here, God, but I know you're with me. No matter what he does, no matter what she says, no matter what they choose to do, I know you're with me. So I'm just going to trust you on this, okay, God? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang on to you. God, I don't see no one understand what's going on with my job, okay? And it's the holidays, and God, I don't get it. I don't get it. Doing everything I know to do, I don't understand. I don't like this. This is embarrassing, this is frustrating, this is exhausting. But I know you're with me. I know you're with me. I know you're with me. So I'm just going to choose to trust you on this one. Help me, help me trust you on this one. God, I don't know why I'm still depressed. God, I've been taking medicine. I, God, I, don't, I don't know why I'm still dealing with my anxiety. I don't, I don't know what to do. I, I, I can hardly, I can't sleep, I can't eat. God, I, I, don't, I don't know, I... I this won't go away. I, I, can't, I can't make it go away. But I know you're with me. I know you're with me. I know you're with you see, You see what this? I know you're with me. I know you're with me. So I'm going to trust you on this one. I'm going to fill the gap with trust. I'm going to fill the gap with trust. I'm going to fill the gap with trust. And then moment by moment, day by day, that's how you live. Say, I just want to know everything's going to work out all right. I can't give you that. Not on this side of eternity. And God didn't promise you that. Not on this side of heaven. But he said he'd be with you. You see, as Americans, we would rather have God's performance than his presence. But what he wants us to know is that his presence is better than anything else. Anything. 
thing else. And that's what you need to know. And that is my prayer for you. So one day, when you sit down over lunch with Jesus, here's how it'll probably go. Jesus will look at you after you've said your piece, and he'll go, hey, do you see now? Right? Do do you see it now? And you'll go, yeah, I, I, I see it now. I see it now. And I'm talking about in eternity future, okay? I'm not talking about tomorrow morning. Yeah, that makes sense now. I I see what you were doing. I didn't see it then. You see why I want you to trust me? I knew what I was doing. Yeah, yeah, you did. You knew what you were doing. So may we fill the gap with trust today. Now. Starting now. Our Father, we bring our frustrations to you. We bring our questions to you. We bring our exhaustion to you. We bring all of the reasons why we look at you and go, we're so disappointed. You've let us down. We bring all that to you. None of it surprises you. None of it rattles you. None of it shakes you. And you welcome us with open arms. Help me have the clarity of mind and the strength to fill the gap between what you see, know, and understand and what I do to fill it with trust. It doesn't mean everything's going to work out the way I want, but it's going to work out the way you want. So I trust you because you're with me. And I ask that you would help us know you're with us, even when we can't feel it, even when we can't see it, even when we can't put our finger on it, you are with us. That's what we can expect of you. You are with me. So I trust you because you're a faithful God, a flawless and faithful God. Thank you for being trustworthy. In Jesus' name, amen.